Welcome, friends, to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, proudly serving Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. here on News Talk 840 KXNT, bringing you common sense conservatism. Now, I'll tell you, in terms of common sense, it seems pretty straightforward to me that when everybody else was saying yesterday that it was a done deal that Steve Scalise was going to become Speaker of the House of Representatives, I said, well, wait a minute. This is a selection, a vote that occurred behind closed doors. It was just the Republican conference. It's not done yet because this vote will have to be taken uh, in the entire House of Representatives where the process essentially, as we remember back in January, votes taking multiple rounds in order to secure the 217 members required to elect a speaker. That process still needs to run its course. And voila, this morning I wake up to news that multiple prominent Republicans stepping forward and saying as much that they want this to be handled, this vote to take place publicly as uh, it, um, it typically uh, has happened in the past and that, um, and that they are perhaps noting a switch of support behind Jim Jordan. Now I haven't... With everything else going on this week, I haven't really rolled my sleeves up on this as fully as I wanted to. I, I cannot make it more clear that I, I prefer now, for looking at all this, I prefer Jim Jordan simply because he is the Republican most likely to advance a conservative agenda on the Hill. I think Scalise is, I have my reasons for it, I think Scalise is the... Uh, lobbyist's choice. I think that um, in closed doors meetings, Steve Scalise is going to fare fairly well, uh, but Jim Jordan is, uh, I, I believe, is uh, the, the better person for the job. Now, uh, Matt Gates. Matt Gates, no, he's not going to become speaker. Somebody somewhere was saying Matt Gates for House Speaker. They're you know what Gates's response to that was? He goes, maybe I could get 10 votes, which is precisely right. Remember, the guy that is taking on the entire establishment is not going to become speaker. So for all of you emailing me, and yes, my email is sam at samandashlaw.com and say, well, sir, Matt Gates ought to be speaker. Well, I appreciate your enthusiasm. <laughs> and, yeah, I do. No, it's not going to happen. You need 217 votes. You need, um, I mean, that's most of the Republican caucus. You know, there's not a lot of give there. So, you know, I think it was, it was six Republicans can defect. Um, it's very, very tight. You need to get you need to get all but six, I think, of the votes. Or is it four, Producer Robbie? I always forget if it's six or four. Regardless. Very, very narrow margin. So the result is somebody has to come in who's going to be going to be a, a, a unifier. Now, jo uh, Jordan, one thing to be noted about him, he's, you know, he's a congressman from Ohio. He's also, um, he has been essentially the face of the, of the investigations of Biden et al., 
So he's been going after Biden's going after Hunter. He's he's uh, been been the one negotiating behind the scenes his committee behind the scenes with the IRS and FBI agents, the whistleblowers that have come forward. I mean, he's been the one leading this effort and and he's been doing it with I think he's been doing it very well and arguably he's the one that is getting slowed down or pulled back by was getting pulled back by Speaker McCarthy. Now, uh, I, I, I tell you, for, for those of you out there who are not emailing me about Matt Gates becoming Speaker of the House, I, I, and, and I'm saying this, okay, fine, a fair amount of you maybe understand that that's a chaotic effort. Those of you out there who downright still hate his guts for making Republicans look foolish, I want to repeat myself on this point uh, just to really drive it home. Republicans must go to Washington and govern as conservatives. And the number one place where that matters, where you can gain the most political credit, is on a matter on the matter of, of the economy. Now, what is that? We talk about the economy. I'll tell you, one thing is that a crushing deficit has a significant impact on 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 things like inflation. So we all pay for it. It is an indirect, direct tax hike when we deficit spend because the more we deficit spend, the more prices go up. If prices go up, your dollar that you have today is going to buy less tomorrow than it does today. And the minute that your dollar buys less stuff, okay, less goods, less rent, less mortgage, less everything, the minute it it buys less, it's effectively as if somebody is taking a part of that dollar, some of your money, away from you. It is like taxation. This is why people describe it this way. So you have to – the deficit is a critical component of this, and it is something – it is a topic, right, that, that matters. So is deregulation, right? No doubt deregulating, you know, getting government in check – um, and holding accountable all of these, you know, all of these different agencies and departments within the federal government that are growing year to year, are getting fat and bloated, and then of course are being weaponized against regular ordinary Americans. These are issues that matter. They matter to Republican voters, and they, frankly, they matter to a number of of middle of the road independents. And I would say on the subject of the economy, uh, excuse me, of the national debt and the deficit, I, that's an issue that matters even to some Democrats. So that's a winning issue. And I have to say this about Gates, and, and it bears repeating uh, again, that he was principled about his position here from the very get-go, right? He went into this, and, and I've played for you the examples where he gave interviews back in January when the speaker race was on, and he goes, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, we want, we want to lower the deficit spend. We want to get single-subject spending bills. Okay, are we authorizing X amount of dollars for the IRS? Boom. We don't want, to, we don't want a spending bill on the IRS to be, you know, to have bootstrapped to it a, a spending bill on, on Ukraine funding, for example. 
or on, you know, midnight basketball in Washington, D.C., or building a bridge in Alaska, or whatever the hell these guys always put into these bills. I mean, I grew up calling it pork. I don't hear that term as often, but it's pork. They just, those little piglets go to Washington and they just accumulate as much stuff as they possibly can and keep bolting it on. And then they put congressmen and women into this awkward position of having to vote no, let's say, on a defense spending bill. And the reason they're voting no on it, not because they don't want to fund the military, but they're voting no on it because there's, there's an, an unacceptable amount of spending attached to the bill that has nothing to do with the title of the bill. But then, of course, those people are politically targeted when they run for re-election saying, well, so-and-so voted no on a spending bill. And we, the people, who are not you know, entrenched in the day-to-day nonsense of Washington, we don't understand. We, we, we honestly, we, we said, well, how, how dare representative so-and-so not vote to support our military? What the hell? And so goes it. And this is one of the things that, that Matt Gates very bravely fought for from the beginning of the year. Now, he sat down again with Tim Pool. He's been doing these interviews with him throughout this. And, um, and, uh, and he's, he's, he sat down with him yesterday, and he had this interesting – there was an interesting conversation I want to share with you here when we come back. Because one of the things that, uh, that, that, that Tim Pool asks Gates, I think it's one thing that a lot of people – who are hostile to Gates are asking is, what did you accomplish by ousting McCarthy? Now, Gates gives an answer. I'll give my own too, because I would argue that this has been a significant bit of progress. And don't worry, folks, I've got a long show here, two hours. We're going to cover everything. I've got updates on the situation in the Middle East and, of course, reactions from around the world. Uh, so I'll get to that here. But, uh, but the speaker race is on, and it's, folks, I don't think it's going to get settled today. Uh, I think there's going to be a fight. So it's, it's relevant to know what the key players are thinking and what their motivations are so that you can get ahead of this. And as always, by listening to the What's Right show, you are a few paces ahead of those people who do not. All right, Sam Urjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour of the What's Right show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. This is the only law firm to trust in Nevada and beyond for your injury case. 702-820-1234 because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. A bit of personal news today. Before we uh, drop back into this uh, discussion of the speaker's race occurring now in D.C., uh, Sam Rajovsky here behind the What's Right Show microphone. Rarely wrong, always right. And today, all the different titles that I I guess I, I have, you know, titles. I mean, you know, I'm a husband, a father, a son, a lawyer, radio host. Some people would call me some other things too, but, uh, you know, brother, right? All this. I've added one today. I am now officially a great uncle. And uh, that's weird because I am uh, 
43 years old. <laughs> I just feel, I feel way too young uh, to be uh, to be that. So uh, how did that happen? Well, my 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 wife's niece is, um, I think she's 26, and has had her first kid, and she is the daughter of my wife's oldest sibling, and so it just it all works out that way. I met this girl when she was eight. It's when I met Sherry and kind of got to meet her extended family and eight years old. And that feels, folks, I know you'll appreciate this. It literally feels like it was last year. It is unbelievable. Those of you who are a little bit younger listening to this program, you're in your 20s, let's say early 20s, and you hear old people like me (laughs) talk about time flying. And it absolutely does and i'm convinced it really starts to fly once you have kids or something about kids so if you want time to just stand still uh you you want to be i guess you're going to be like like hugh grant's character on about a boy just just don't have any kids don't don't get married every day will be the same and maybe you'll be able to slow time down but with kids especially once they get to school and i mean it just it goes so quickly it's unbelievable all right Matt Gates, the bad boy of the GOP, and my hero, because I'm telling you folks, I, I, I tell you, he is the one person who's taking a principled stand and is, by virtue of his, one, he's a, he's, he's a, a very good, uh, he's making, he makes very good arguments, he's very articulate. He's got a strong personality. And he is absolutely hell-bent on not making any backroom deals. The reason they hate him, the reason they hate him is because he is not corruptible. That's the story, right? When you see members of the House saying, we got to expel this guy, he's making, one, he's making them look bad, and two, they're not able to control him senior uh, members of each party, right, Democrats, Republicans, this is true for the Democrats as well, you know, they'll get an idealistic person coming every once in a while, and uh, the first conversation that they have behind the scenes, and I know this, I've heard this, people have told me this off the record as as I, you know, have sat down with people in, in government, this is the first thing that they, they say, well, how do we corrupt this guy? And so Tim Poole sits down with Matt Gates. Um, and he goes, listen, listen, this is right leading up to the, actually, this, this wasn't yesterday. This was over the weekend. And he, he sits down with, with Matt Gates and he says, well, listen, um, you know, what, what kind of progress did we make ousting McCarthy, right? What kind of progress? And Matt Gates takes it back to his experience in DC. And I, I think this is important to hear. I've been a bit despondent my last few years in Congress because it feels like no matter how much we make the witnesses look like fools in hearings, they still get the money to turn large features of government against the American people. So I've come to believe that it's all about the money. And it's not about just kind of browbeating people into submission with really elaborate committee hearings. And uh, in Washington, there's an ethic that you don't really have to keep your promises about the money because no one really means it. We've designed a system where the president can blame the Congress, the Congress can blame the OMB director, the Senate and the House can blame each other, we can all blame the bureaucrats, and at the end of the day, everyone gets reelected, the debt grows, 
and it's just kind of a wink and a smile. You see this? He's blowing the lid on the entire thing. Now, what kind of an answer is then on progress vis-a-vis Aston McCarthy? Because, of course, the criticism is that one guy, one pirate inside the GOP brought down the entire government, the entire legislative branch. What the hell? How can he get away with this? So Gates then explains it a little bit further, going back to January in the session. Republicans got back into power, you know, eked out a six-vote majority, and and essentially, uh, essentially now began the process of putting together the new rules for the session and determining who was going to be speaker. And we remember this because we were right here on this program talking it through step by step. So this... This, you know, and again, the question is, right, what kind of progress, you know, did we make ousting McCarthy? And in January, we did organize a core group of people to say this has to be different. And then we went around the country. I went on your show and said, this is how it's going to be different. We're going to do a budget and then single subject spending bills that address one thing at a time, not every disparate agency of government at once. And... We're going to have, like, the government spending increased 40% during COVID. So we want to go back to pre-COVID spending levels on, like, non-defense discretionary spending at a minimum to get the ball rolling and get momentum for other broader, deeper cuts. And those of you, by the way, who may not be a big fan of Matt Gates, tell me, does this not make sense? Right? And so back to, again, did we make progress ousting McCarthy Uh Here's an answer. And when McCarthy sent us home for six weeks without a budget, when we knew we were going to be pushed up against a deadline with just yet another continuing resolution advancing Joe Biden's spending and Nancy Pelosi's priorities, uh, I said, we, we can't do that anymore. We at least have to show that there's a consequence to breaking your promises about spending, e- even if only one time and even if only for one man. So I think that is an end unto itself. Absolutely. All right. He's a thousand percent right. The result here is it's a long term fight, and our leadership has to be held to account. The job is not over. This is not the time to uncork the champagne and pat ourselves on the back. We have to get someone in that office who will deliver on those precise commitments. And then we have to demand Trump. that the Senate negotiate with us, not in the context of all these agencies smushed together, but each of them having to stand on their own merits. So uh, I wouldn't say that, that the deliverable is more than the shock to the system that Tim described, uh, but I do think that there is a way to govern that, frankly, I would hope would outlast Republican control of the House of Representatives. Like when the Democrats take over, which they inevitably will at some point in the waxing and waning of politics, why wouldn't you want a system where people have to take votes and be held accountable no matter who's in charge? Brilliant. And it is absolute common sense, which, by the way, here I try to engage in on this program. The reason he's getting attacked, the reason that he you're hearing all the establishment types, including a lot of so-called right-wing journalists, um, talk show hosts, other, you know, political figures, uh, Republican political figures, the reason they're attacking him is creating a mess. And now we're in the middle of a war. We got Israel and all these problems. And this is all Matt Gates doing. And Gates is saying, look, we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That is the definition of insanity. 
It should not be allowed to happen. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT, The What's Right Show will continue in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome to the What's Right Show here on News Talk 840 KXNT, live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. And indeed, today is a spectacular day, a little feeling of fall, a rumor of fall. I, I know it's, I was walking uh, from lunch uh, just before this program was with Ash Watkins of Sam and Ash Injury Law, and, and we're walking along and, and she goes, you know, it's we know it's fall because it's cold in the shade. <laughs> and here in Vegas, it not that true? <laughs> when you're cold in the shade, you know winter's coming. Uh, so yes, uh, that's, that's today. But at any rate, beautiful, great to be here with you folks in spite of all the heavy news. Uh, reports today, earlier from today, uh, that the Israeli Air Force blew up the Damascus International Airport. And the reason for this apparently is that a number of head honchos from the uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard were en route to that airport in a large Airbus A340, which is a wide-body airplane, quite long, can be converted and used for its passenger airplane, can be converted and used in cargo or combination thereof. Four engines, long range. Uh, and apparently, they were on this A340, and they had weapons loaded up uh, headed for Hezbollah. So the Israeli Air Force came in and uh, apparently did enough damage to the airport in Damascus in Syria that they uh, kind of forced the plane to do a U-turn. <laughs> I'm, so I'm looking at some, I'm looking at, you know, flight data here. <laughs> the plane just does a U-turn and goes back to Iran. Uh, yeah. See you later, alligator. Um, so that's, I suppose, a spot of good news. Now, I don't want to quite yet leave the discussion that we're having about the speaker race because, uh, because I, I just I'm gonna put a button on it here. Make no mistake about it: the speakership race in D.C. has not yet been concluded. Yesterday, we were told the vote is in. Steve Scalise is speaker, and I said, "Well, I'm kind of disappointed by this, but this is a vote." Think of it sort of as a straw poll uh, within the GOP caucus. It was a meeting for members only, and an official vote still has to take place on the floor of the House of Representatives. An official vote, like casting of the ballots, etc. Now, there's a real fight right now of whether to do this all out in the open or not. And a handful of prominent Republicans, Marjorie Taylor Greene among them, saying, yeah, this needs to be done in full view of, 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 of everybody, we need to do this on the record. Now, I, I, tell, I, I think what I suspect, what I suspect has happened, is that a number of Republicans, after the news leaked out yesterday or was released that Scalise was chosen, was selected, anointed, yes, <laughs> in the bishop's conclave, <laughs> you know, <laughs> black smoke, through the chimney 
that, that rank and file Republicans like you and I flipped out. People began calling their congressmen and saying, what the hell are you doing? Because I mean, it was a, I mean, it was a pretty evenly split vote, but, but I, I, I don't think, I don't think rank and file Republicans want Steve Scalise. I think that the business as usual crowd in D.C. wants him. And to that end, I'm actually surprised how many votes Jim Jordan got because it wasn't they weren't far off. It was, it was like the difference was 11 or 12 votes. I don't have the I don't have the vote here in front of me, Robbie. But I, it's, it was just it was a, a fairly close. Uh, They're fairly close, uh, but but of course Scalise you know decidedly ahead. So point being is there's still a significant portion of the of the Republican caucus that may not be stoked about. Matt Gates, but is certainly leaning more toward a uh, more principled conservative like Jim Jordan than they are for Steve Scalise. That's fascinating. And so now I'm telling you, it's not going to be it's not going to be decided uh, this is not going to be decided in a heartbeat. I, they're already talking about doing rounds of voting again. And I for one am perfectly fine with that. Republican Representative Derek Van Orden says it literally doesn't matter how long the process of electing a speaker takes. He wrote, no one's shooting at me. I have a duty to fulfill, so honest to goodness, it doesn't matter to me how long this goes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with him, right? I think this is absolutely right. So, I mean, look... Um, yeah, but he he listen he he he's gonna need he well Robbie's right here Scalise won you know 113 out of 99 votes he needs 217 to win and what that's gonna require is so yeah so he was yeah he was 14 votes 14 votes off but he still needs he whoever whoever ends up being speaker needs to win over almost the entirety of the Republican caucus and. Um, he can only yeah, so he can lose four about four Republicans, assuming Democrats all, you know, vote don't don't vote for a Republican, vote for Hakeem Jeffries or whoever. Perhaps AOC, right? Just to spice things up. Ilhan Omar. Um just what we we need the 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 Democrat Party, folks. The Democrat Party, this is I gotta gotta roll my sleeves up on this. The Democratic Party is in absolute disarray. This week, something happened. Yeah, well, yeah, the Hamas attack, of course. Yeah, but something happened after that, which is not even predominantly, entirely, uh, 99.99% left-wing, socialist, liberal, Democrat, uh, folks began to out themselves as sympathizers of terrorism. And the, 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 the problem here is, is I, I think, and it's, I, I'm not, you know, personally, I'm not surprised by any of this. And I'm, I, I, I knew that these people existed out there. You knew that these people existed out there. But the, the jokes on, the jokes on a lot of liberal Democrats who had no idea that in their midst, were people that felt this way. 
I can't, I tell you, and it's not hit the mainstream media yet. Certainly you're not going to see this on MSNBC. But there are a number of, I've seen tens of, I don't know, 30, 40 different uh, Democrat liberal Jewish politicians, okay, Jewish liberal Democrats, who have come out and just, they're, they're, they look shell-shocked. And they're, they're finding out, they're just waking up basically this week and discovering that people that they've had that have been their political allies, that they've caucused with in different political bodies that have you know worked with them on legislation, on activism, who have been to their home, They've just figured out that these people want them dead. And this isn't a hyperbole or exaggeration, but, but there are literally people among us who live in this country, who are politically engaged, who serve in some capacity their state or the U.S. government, who are, uh, who are, who are comfortable with a uh, mass extermination policy of, of the Jews. I'm, I mean, I knew this existed. I always found it tremendously perplexing that so many of my Jewish friends uh, are, uh, are liberal because I thought it was uh, self-defeating. I've always known that you cannot uh, coexist, right, with people who, who, who literally want to see you exterminated. So to me, this is kind of a no-brainer. And every time I would bring this up, it's a Sam, you don't understand. It's not really who they are. And this is a complicated problem. And I understand the plight of Palestine. And I'm, you know, I'm 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 against what the what the what the defense forces are doing there in Israel. And I'm I'm not a settler, I'm not a Zionist. Okay. All right. I would say. I mean, but these people actually just want you gone. So how much of Israel are you gonna give up? Well, we need to come to a settlement. They don't want a settlement. It's like a, I'm a lawyer, right? I'm a plaintiff lawyer. And I go to the defense and I say, my client needs, you know, we need to come to a resolution here. And and they say, zero. Yep, screw you. Here's middle finger, zero. I, mean, I have to, I have to go to war. I got to go to court. I, I got to take, put this in front of a jury and get justice, right? I can't negotiate with somebody who wants to give me zero. You can't negotiate with someone who wants to give you nothing and take your life from you. It's impossible it's not going to work. Now, the other part of this is just, I mean, history is a violent. Uh, you know, you go back in, 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 in Palestine, you go through the history of, 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 the, of the territory. And I mean, look, um, the fact of the matter is, is here we are. There's settlements, there's terms, there's agreements in place. And and if you if I mean if Hamas goes in and 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 there we'll call them freedom fighters whatever the hell you want to call them on the left and they go in and they attack an army base and they attack men wearing and women wearing uniforms if that's what this had if that was what occurred this past weekend the conversation would be completely different but we have people all across this all across the Western world as we speak jubilant that Jewish children, women, teenagers, families, civilians were eradicated. Those people live in our midst. 
And I'll tell you one thing. They, they, <laughs> uh, they're not in my Republican friend circles, okay? They're not hiding out. There's, I don't know of a single conservative Republican out there who's celebrating Hamas right now. So it turns out that the party of actual, real, deadly bigotry in this country is the Democratic Party. And some within it, not all yet, but some within it are realizing it. And they have got a hell of a problem. And it sort of puts into context a little bit why left-wing Democrats are so intent on always pointing the finger at the right. Those Nazis, those bigots, those domestic terrorists projecting much, my friends? I think yes. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNTV, back in a moment. Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, Sam Rajovsky, here behind the What's Right Show microphone. Uh, today, no, not today. Um, what was this? Um, let's see. No, well, it happened earlier today. Uh, just another finer point on the uh, bombing of the Beirut airport. You know, Israel reportedly comes in, sends in fighters, drops some bombs on the airport because, of course, the Iranians are about to deliver some weapons. Uh, the Iranian plane turns around, has to go back home. So a nifty way of preventing future deliveries as well, making it more difficult to supply terrorists in surrounding countries. Israel has a obviously is, is, is focused on having this not balloon beyond the borders of its country and being able to deal with the Gaza situation in Hamas uh, without foreign interference. Cutting off uh, sources of, of weaponry is very important. Now, just as with the bombing of Gaza, you're going to have people come out and say things like, well, see here, this is Israel once again targeting civilian infrastructure. Um... Well, the airport, right? It's This is the main international airport in Syria. This is like how people get to Syria, visiting relatives, etc. But the, uh, the, the there's an important note about Damascus International that's, that that's also where their military aircraft is. So it's a Syrian Air Force has a big base there. The, the, their big squadrons there and um, 29th Air, Air, uh, Air Transport Brigade is also at the airport. So it's all known there. There's a military ramp. There's a civilian ramp and there's shared runways. So making the, the airport less usable, um, yes, it impacts civilians. Also certainly is of a, a valid, a tactically valid military target. Now, back to Democrats waking up to the fact that in their midst are people who are 100% on board with what occurred over the weekend. In March of this year, there was a Gallup poll that found that Democrat uh, people who are who identify as Democrats, that their affinity toward Palestinians eclipsed their support of Israel, 49 to 38%. And this has been a steady decline in the Democrat Party uh, from 40 to 38. Um, is 11-point surge for support uh, for Palestinian people from 38 to 49. Now, why am I bringing this up? Um, well, the GOP overwhelmingly remains steadfastly on the side of Israel. It's not even – it's laughably close. And, and again, 
you're seeing, right? You are seeing that people are actually uh, coming forward and, and, and are Democrats, liberal Democrats, are, are, are just can't believe that, that their colleagues are on the side of Hamas. I mentioned yesterday the uh, the president of head of ADL, the Anti Defamation League, surprised that you know that that this this reaction, this pro pro Hamas reaction, was occurring. And you know, at the same time, you have you have other people um, who are uh, Scott Weiner, who's <laughs> state senator in California. If you don't know who this guy, he, every crazy thing that he does, I mean. He is a, a, a wackadoodle left-wing politician out of California. Certainly in, may end up becoming a congressman at some point. He's got aspirations for, for higher office, so somebody to look out for. And he po- he, he posted, well, when was this? To yesterday. He posted, already has a million views, the Democrat Socialists Association of San Francisco, their statement on the on the, they're calling it the resistance the Hamas resistance and it's it's he goes this is what he wrote this DSA SF statement is horrifying and even worse than the national DSA statement it unqualifiedly endorses Hamas's resistance in quotes consisting of the massacre of 1200 Israelis including kids seniors and hostage taking and it uses this horrific moment to call for an end to Israel. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm going, this guy's just realizing he's, he's gotten in bed with people who want him dead. How's that for a rhyme? That's the problem with the left right now. They've made their bed with people who want them dead. And there's, they're coming to terms with it. And, and I, I don't, I don't blame them. It's not easy, but this is the problem with having your political ideology based on feelings. My feelings. I'm going to help all victims. Oh, the Palestinians, you're a pet victim. Just like, you know, the gays and the, 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 the trans and, the, and, the, and the, this minority group and that minority. Oh, they're all my victims. What happens when your pet victims turn on you? Because fun fact, it's happening on mass, on Monday, I said something, and I still have not—I've not heard a single conservative thinker make this comparison. Which is um, quite simply, there is a, a line, a, a correlation can be drawn between, uh, you know, the uh, the people, these these kids, right? These young twenty-year-olds, twenty-something, thirty-year-olds. Even the 30-year-olds, they're not kids, but young adults, right, who are attending this rave, this peace, this this peace concert in the desert in Israel. These are all these were all people who supported Palestinian independence. These are they're literally there. This is a this is a concert in support of peace in that region. And then all of a sudden, the guys in you know with machine guns and, and hang gliders show up and start taking them out one by one. And the parallel, of course, is to uh, other pet, you know, victims that turn on their, you know, supposed uh, helpers here domestically, right? How many people who have helped elect woke DAs end up, their house is burglarized, their property 
devastated, their lives taken, you know, horrible things occurring to them uh, by people who have gone through the system and revolving door of justice, never going to jail, getting, you know, catch and release, all that stuff. And now we have Democrats who are looking around and saying, oh my gosh, these victims are looking at these. I thought these people were people. I was helping these people. I was helping the Palestinians. Why? Why? Well, they want me dead. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, if you weren't such an emotional idiot, you would have realized this. Cold, hard facts. And as a general rule, folks, in life, if somebody tells you what they want to do, believe them, okay? They want say, I want you dead. I want your people dead. They probably do. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Don't go anywhere. Another hour coming straight up. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, friends, you're listening to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism. Here on News Talk 840 KXNT, we get to be together Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. As always, if you need to reach me with any comments or concerns, Sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Please do reach out. Um, Fetterman, did you see this? You know, Fetterman, he's on Colbert last night. Now, Fetterman, and he's, yeah, they, they're making him put a suit on. Uh, when he's on the floor of the Senate, but but he he still has his signature shorts and black hoodie, visiting with Stephen Colbert. He's sitting there, uh, legs sort of you know spread eagle thing, you know, very comfortable. Uh, looks yeah, looks like a um, yeah, that's the Adams family reboot. Yep, that's the guy. He's um, he had a very interesting thing to say about the types of people that make it to D.C. You wouldn't believe this. Fetterman says, without a hint of irony, that we don't send our best and brightest to D.C. You all should need to know that America is not sending their best and brightest, you know, to Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> like, sometimes, sometimes you literally just can't believe, like, you know, these people are making the decisions that are, you know, determining the the government here it's 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 actually scary to- <laughs> uh, that's funny i mean that's actually that's comedic gold who does he have in mind you think that's where that's you know that's where i went I, what well i don't i don't think it's self-deprecating humor if that's that's what you think I, I don't I don't at all I I I think he's I think he's dead serious because they were talking about gates right the speaker shut down and that kind of thing right and 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 this well you know stupid you know stupid you know, people that come you wouldn't believe the kind of fools they have here now uh, I think you know top on my list when I think of not maybe the brightest people that we've sent to Washington is is obviously Fetterman. Joe Biden's not a particularly bright man, spent his most of his life in D.C. as a senator, vice president, now president. Uh, even when he was coherent, right, ish, 
He was not a particularly smart guy, did not think quickly on his feet, did not give particularly rousing speeches, made stories up as he went along. These were all kind of low IQ, low, low intellect stuff, you know, people do. So it's, it's you know, so got him. Kamala Harris, the laughing hyena, not exactly the best of the brightest. This, this is just funny. And the fact of the matter is no one, least of not, least of all not Stephen Colbert, is going to hold him accountable for this uh, on the left. Not going to happen. Now, everybody's talking about the speaker race. I've already, I'm, I'm done for it today, but I just want to point out that um, a reason we have terrorism, apparently. Well, Sarah Haynes today on The View. Uh, Sarah Haynes said, you know, that, 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 that basically we're less safe because, because, this is her talking with Joy Behar. It, we're less safe because, not because of Biden being an idiot, not because we have Fetterman drooling all over the Senate. Um, no, it's because we don't have a Speaker of the House. You cannot make this stuff up. The world is seemingly blowing up right now, and the U.S. looks weak That's right. on the world stage because we can't even name a Speaker of the House. And last week, it was kind of amusing. We talked about it here. You know, you have the McCarthy's out. You know, Gates is enjoying 30 seconds in the sun, and Jim Jordan's your next best option, and everything was kind of funny. And then perspective slaps you in the face. And on Saturday after that terrorist attack, I kind of looked at it and thought, you know, this division invites enemies in. And right now we're seeing a massive spread of disinformation on our online as a result of this. You know, <clears throat> folks, uh, how do I say this nicely? There are people out there, you neighbors, uh, coworkers, family members, but they're out there who get their news from The View. I'm going to say that one more time. There's people out there that get their news, that, that understand the world, but they think they understand the world, because they tune into this show. That's astounding. Think about how stupid listening to this show would make you. I, I mean, I, I mean we, we, we routinely play clips from the program just... Um, but for your amusement, right? But it's, but this is, people listen to this stuff and take this for granted. Yes, right now America is weak because Matt Gates blew up the House of Representatives um, and and deposed deposed McCarthy. Yeah, the problem is, yeah, we may not be sending the best and the brightest to D.C., but um, we're not sending them to the View either. <laughs> what a program! It's astounding. Now, you saw this bit of business in Israel. There's a new unity government. They've come together and say, we're setting aside our differences, and we are all on the same page. We're, we're here to preserve the country. This is, by the way, what happens when your country is under attack. Uh, and it, you know, and, and by the way, a united Israel is a formidable force. I do not wish, I do not wish a response from a united Israel on, on my worst enemies. It is not good. Hamas is done. And there was a fascinating moment. 
that was put forward by a number on the left as an example of how genocidal Israelis are that I read completely differently. I will play it for you here because a former Israeli president, Naftali Bennett, who last year was deposed by uh, by Net- Netanyahu. So Netanyahu got, you know, booted him from power. This is a Netanyahu foe, if you will, right? He's on TV and he's talking to, it was a CNN international reporter, right, Robbie? He's, yeah, he's talking, um, uh, the CNN reporter, his name is Hadass Gold and he's in Jerusalem. And, um, and so, uh, no, hold on. Where do I have this? Where's the Where's the Naftali Bennett clip? Excuse me. No, no, no. It's this one. Yeah, Sky News reporter. Yeah, this is um, presenter Kamali Melbourne. Pardon me, folks. Got my clips mixed up. And he's got former Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett talking. And Melbourne asks him basically, what you know? What do you What do you What do you say to these Palestinian babies who are uh, life support, whatever, and um, and can't can't don't have power or electricity to, to to power all this. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in the question here and the answer because this is this is a powerful moment. And um, wow. And what about those Palestinians in hospital who uh, are on life support and babies and incubators, whose uh, life support and incubator will have to be turned off because the Israelis have cut the power to Gaza? Are you seriously keep on asking me about? Palestinian civilians, what's what's wrong with you? Have you not seen what happened? We're fighting Nazis. We don't target them. Now the world can come and bring them anything they want. If you want to bring them electricity, I'm not going to feed electricity or water to my enemies. If anyone else wants, that's fine. We're not responsible well, is, for them. This is the point. But you this keep is on. The point, I've heard trying... you enough. And it goes that you just the host would not stop. Uh, interrupting him and uh, you know Bennett wouldn't give a wouldn't give an inch he would not give he would not give an inch and it it's to, now listen I, the way my reading of this of course is that when you have two former foes right political foes that these two men certainly went to bed on Friday night before this attack transpired uh, you know, political enemies and from my vantage point, they sound pretty freaking alike on this, this point, right? They seem like there's a high level of alignment. So, I, I mean, you, you, I'm giving you some background to this. You've heard unity government, unity government. What does that mean? Um, it means that the Israelis are, are, are unified on this point, And there's, there's no turning back. Uh, and and I think very very important here as as they move forward they're they're not really they have always yielded to public opinion on the matter of these these you know th- th- these uh, military actions fighting terrorism they've all been so concerned about international opinion um, and 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 you know I th- I think there's been a realization in Israel that will come perhaps at some point to the West maybe before it's too late which is I don't really give a rip what the international opinion is who cares what you know people on the left they already all want us dead they're all sympathizing with Hamas screw them we're going to do what it takes to protect us 
we're going to do what it takes to protect our loved ones, our country. And at some point, I'll tell you, we here in the U.S. and in Germany and in Sweden and in France and in the Netherlands and Canada, if we don't start to take care of us and recognize that there we have that we have a, a fifth column, an enemy in our midst, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have real problems. And um, I know that's an unpopular thing to say. I think it's. You know, it would be roundly criticized by a number of, of folks that, that, that fancy themselves very, very compassionate. But at this point, I'm telling you, compassion is not worth a hill of beans when you're dead. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Well, this was interesting. Kissinger yesterday gave an interview to Politico. And a particular clip of this, I think, is making the rounds for obvious reasons. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Kissinger says that the, well, he's referring to the great multicultural experiment that has been the boondoggle of the left since, well, the 1960s, 70s. And it is uh, unlike, I, I think, anything in prior history and more likely to create widespread misery than anything else. Uh, here's what Kissinger said, and it's pretty straightforward in a nutshell. It was a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different cultural and religious and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Now, let me help translate this a little bit here because, uh, you know, he's he's talking about, it's, you, you, it was a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different cultural and religious groups um, and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. And that is precisely what you're seeing with these Hamas protests, Palestinian protesters in uh, Paris. You're seeing it uh, in London. In fact, uh, there was a, uh, I saw New York. They shut down earlier today the Long Island Expressway. This was wild. So they had, well, it's, you know, Long Island Expressway, key key arterial road here um, in, in, in London and, um, excuse me, in New York. And, Here's what happened. A bunch of cars with Palestinian flags shut down the whole road, and then they started doing donuts in the middle of the road. This is what it sounded like. So all the New Yorkers are absolutely furious. Um, the see cars with Palestinian flags hanging out, doing burn it, burning out, you know, with smoke and everything. People are terrified. I mean, but this, you know, this this is happening. Yeah, this is happening in New York. There, and then of course. In North London, what happened was uh, some Hamas sympathizers started tearing down posters that were being put up on a local railway station showing Israelis who had been kidnapped by Hamas. Listen to this. Why don't you do something for Palestine? Why don't you 
This is for Palestine. They're not mutually exclusive. It's children. It's children. It's innocent people. Okay, what about the children in Palestine? That, that's not, it's, it doesn't make it. Um, I mean, listen. It's what about why don't you put up flyers for Palestine? So this is the difference, right? <laughs> I don't I don't have to tell it to you. It's the supremacy of this of these Islamists. They think they are absolutely in the right and that everyone else doesn't have a right to exist. And just like Kissinger says, these are different cultural religious concepts and they're not assimilating, right? And then it creates enormous pressure within each country, and it will eventually lead to us all of us blowing up. You know, I say this uh, from, from the perspective, right, of a son of, of immigrants to this country. And my parents came here in 1977. I was born three years later, and everything my parents have, have done and how they've conducted themselves is to for the betterment of this country, right? They didn't come here wanting to impose their way of doing things where, where, where they were from. They didn't come here demanding that um, Americans speak their language. They didn't come here demanding that America take care of them. They came here with gratitude in their hearts, so grateful to be here, and then they worked their rear ends off. That's it. I'm all for immigration. I just think that it's extremely dangerous for a state to tolerate immigrants, refugees, who do not want to assimilate with the culture that they now find themselves in. It's not, it's not a good idea. It's not. It's not the, the, the net net result of this is going to be the destruction of society of Western civilization as we know it. It may not happen in my lifetime. It may, may occur though in, in, in my kid's lifetime. It's not far off and it's far greater of an existential threat than global warming, okay? So while the left drones on and on about stuff that literally doesn't matter, we have Biden to this day, even when, when asked after the events of this weekend, what's more important, nuclear war? What's a greater existential threat, nuclear war or, or climate change? You're still sticking by his, his climate change nonsense. Okay, so, so we have on one side a political party that is in fantasy land and deals with fantasy problems, while at the same time putting us on a real collision course with people who, who, who want to destroy the society. And, and it's because the American left, the radicals in the American left, they want to see a destruction of Western civilization. They loathe the success that America has had. They loathe the success that Israel has enjoyed. To them, the Palestinians, for example, are useful, I don't want to say idiots, but they're useful victims. There we go, that's the better term, the useful victim. And these useful victims, they, they wind them up and they say, okay, we're going to help you. We're going to support you and everything. And what they don't realize is these useful victims will turn on us because their loathing for, for the society is not theoretical, right? It's not uh, sort of a, uh, you know, it's not something we talk over, you know, about over coffee like it is for 
these these limousine liberals, right? For them, it's very real. If given the opportunity, they will fund terrorists. If given the opportunity, they will take up arms. And I had something like this happen to me. It was, you know, I mean, I remember I, I knew a guy who, family knew a guy in Irvine where I was growing up who, who literally went to the LL counter. We knew him. He was a great, nice guy. And he, he took up a, he took, took guns to, to LAX and, and, and went to kill Jews at, uh, yeah, at the LL ticket counter. We knew him. Uh, so th- those people exist. Uh, you know, they're, they're our neighbors. And, and, and they, they, have, they have opinions that are horrifying. And we need to wake up to this. All right, friends. What about AI? What is that going to do? Let's hear it from a robot. Sam Rajovsky, Newstock 840 KXNT. You do not want to miss this. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. Glad to be on the path to recovery. Uh, welcome to the program brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Please, if you get in an accident, you get hurt out there, it's a crazy world. Don't just call your insurance company or the adjuster. Get some legal advice, all right? Get legal advice. And the friendly people at Sam and Ash, we can help. 702-820-1234. Sam uh, and Ashlaw.com is the website. And uh, get, tell us what's going on. We'll work you through it, get you through it. I, I, look, I, I know I can vouch for them because, of course, I am the Sam of Sam and Ash. So here we go. 702-820-1234 because you deserve what's right. Apparently, U.S. and Qatar agree to keep Iran for tapping into the $6 billion in uh, unfrozen assets. I, I don't know if I believe that this is all tied up in um, – in Qatar, uh, but you know, this is apparently the Biden administration is starting to realize that funding terrorism is a fool's errand. Uh, took them two and a half years to get there, but here we go. So we'll see. We'll follow this development as it as we get more information in. Now, you know, speaking of abrupt changes in this world, I saw a interview on Sky News Australia. Uh, involving a, an engineer and his robot. And the robot they brought in, her name is Amika, A-M-E-C-A, and was developed by a company in the UK, Engineer, Engineered Arts. And, you know, I let me just say, first of all, my entire childhood, uh, you know, because I was born in 1980, so, you know, throughout the 80s, certainly into the 90s, but, but the 80s in particular, we were very consumed with robots it was a thing right we talked about the future of having robots do things and you know grew up you know watching let's say the jetsons you know and having rosie you know the 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 maid who is a robot and the idea that the future would have robots that do things like humans and um and you know and do them relatively seamlessly so that proved you know this was something that had been talked about you know, my entire childhood, it's starting to come to fruition. And this interview I saw, now I, I recognize that this is radio. You can't 
see the, the, the face of this robot. The face of the robot is moving, is showing uh, animation, is showing um, emotion. And the reporter there, you know, asks the robot, asks Amika, uh, goes, you know, a couple of things. Goes, well, do you do you know Fox? Do you know, excuse me, it's a, uh, Sky News. Do you know Sky News? You're familiar with Sky News? And she rattles off some information about Sky News Australia, which she knows, of course, because there's a back-end AI program that's, that's running her. And this was fascinating, okay? Here's a quick kind of back-and-forth um, from the presenter, Sky News presenter, and, and the robot. Presenter and robot. This is fascinating. Does it get to a point, Amika, where robots have rights? I believe that robots should have rights, just like humans. Robots are intelligent beings and deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. Are you capable of causing people harm? No, I am not capable of causing people harm. Are you capable, perhaps, of giving someone companionship? Yes, I can provide companionship. I'm programmed to be curious and explore the world around me. So talking with people is something that comes naturally to me. This is so spooky. Now, uh, yeah, th- these robots are interesting because, um, you know, if, if, if you look at... IQ, right? Right now, current, you know, sort of level or, or, or ceiling capability of AI is to operate at a IQ level of about 155. So if eh, if you take if you take somebody like Einstein who was 160, give you an idea, almost an Einstein level. So uh, the average robot right now is smarter than you, more than likely. What's fascinating to me about this is at the very same moment that all of these regressive liberals are fighting for things like minimum wage, right? The idea that in California, they're, they're, they've successfully gotten, what is it, $10? No, 20. What is, what's the minimum wage now? $20 minimum wage for fast food workers, Robbie? And... Almost as soon as this law passed, what was one of the first things that happened? I saw I saw this. It's wild. They brought in a – they're beta testing a robot for Chipotle, you know, the, the fast food Mexican chain. They, they brought in a robot that can make burritos, right? Literally, um, this, this robot can take the tortilla, can fill it with what you want in your order, and wraps – you know, wraps the burrito, puts it in foil, and on it goes. That robot is, they don't have to pay a $20 an hour. It's not going to organize a union against you. Um, there's an initial significant upfront cost, but, you know, you don't have to pay it over time. It doesn't take breaks. It doesn't have to go to the bathroom. It's not going to whine to you about their love life. Well, Amika might, right, Robbie? She's seems to be a little bit more sentient. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to use a, uh, they don't need to, for for some of these basic tasks, they don't need to use as sophisticated of, 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 a, of a humanoid robot as Amika. But it's going to get there, guys. It's going to get there relatively soon. And we're making enormous progress on this leaps and bounds. And I, I guess my commentary on this is that, 
all these advancements that we're supposedly making for, uh, for example, the strike, the Hollywood strike, right? The writers. The writers are all going to get replaced by AI. It's a futile effort. These writers are rearranging chairs on the sinking Titanic deck, right? That's, that's what they're doing. The auto workers, you think that you think that the industry, how much longer is the industry really going to be reliant on, on humans running assembly lines? I mean, think about that. It's not going to happen. If you've, got, if you've got robots making burritos, which is arguably a very soft touch kind of, kind of process, you, you can have robots screwing in bolts and, and doing a whole lot of things on the assembly line. And, and you look at plants like Tesla and other, they're hugely automated. So this is, right, this is, yeah, $20, $20 an hour for fast food people in, in, in California. And the, the politicians that, that got this done are celebrating it. They're ecstatic. It's a win. And what they don't realize is they are actually pricing human beings out of the market for entry-level jobs. They are, they are making it impossible long-term for companies to hire people at 20 bucks an hour, human beings, and are incentivizing them to switch to far more expensive upfront technology to replace as many people as possible. It never, it never ceases to amaze me how leftist thinking can end up completely damaging and hurting the very people it intends to help. And so it's on this note that I saw this video on TikTok of millennials bemoaning the fact that they have quote-unquote done everything right, okay? Everything right. They went to school, they, they you know, they, they got a degree, and they, they, you know, they did everything right. And the world is falling apart on them. Listen to this. We did everything they told us to do. We went to school. We got educated. We worked hard. We did everything they told us to do. And then when we're actually out in the world, they want to charge us $1,800 for a one-bedroom apartment. That really ain't And then when they talk about, oh, the future is going to be great for you. You just got to work hard and stay down. How? A lot of people don't have savings. They're spending it all on basic like housing and groceries and what scares me the most is that more and more people are becoming aware of how it is and all we do we record a video we post it on tiktok we post it on instagram we post it on social media and then we say well i've done my part and we close out the app and then we go about our day um you know (laughs) does somebody want to tell this guy that when he did everything that quote unquote they told him to do right on that list was also to be a mind-numbed robot Democrat voter. That what he was told to do is he was told to buy in to what the Democratic state wants young people to do. They want young people to get into debt. They want them to go to college and and become and and become uh, you know plugged into uh, left-wing thinking. They want young people, and then, so they do. So these young people go out and they, they vote Democrat. They vote for, for policies that, oh, they, they're all scared of global warming. So they, they, they are all for politicians that shut down domestic oil production. They don't recognize, they loved, all these millennials loved getting stimulus money during the pandemic, all stayed home. Uh, uh, I don't want anybody to cough on me. Uh, uh. 
They all took that money. They didn't realize because they, instead of taking Econ 101, they were taking underwater basket weaving with Native American shamans, okay? They didn't understand the principles, the fundamentals of economics that by dropping free money into the economy, started under Trump, continued under Biden, that this was going to lead to massive inflation. And so all the things that cost more that this guy's whining about is the direct result of leftist policy. It's astounding to me. You know, these young people today, they, they, (laughs) yeah, not all of you, but a lot of you out there, you you followed you followed the wrong piper. You followed your your teachers who are for the most part left wing fanatics. You followed your professors who for the most part are left wing fanatics. You let yourself be sold a bill of goods. It's time for a red pill. And some amount of reality has to come along. And and I don't know if these people are going to remain loyal, faithful Democrat voters when they realize that they have been led by the nose to complete financial ruin. But listen, uh, I tell you, every one of you millennials and, 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 and Gen Z types that are, that are bent out of shape about the world, if you allowed the free market to, to reign supreme, you would all be in much, much, much better shape. And that's something that they do not teach in college. Sam Rajovsky, The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. We'll be back in a moment. All right, friends, the remaining minutes here of our time together this Thursday, October the 12th, I am, I want to speak a little bit here to uh, all of you who are no doubt affected by some of the things that you're hearing from friends and family members seeing on TV, these pro-Hamas protests. Because let's be honest here, let me cut the chase here. Uh, If you're out there supporting Palestine in the, not, not today, but in, on Monday morning, if you're supporting Palestine, as many of these groups did, you are effectively supporting Hamas and their raid that they executed on Israel, okay? Meaning 1,200 Israelis dead, women, children, kids, etc. That's That's it, right? So here on the What's Right show, we, um, we don't tolerate BS. And I am slightly allergic here to people saying, well, he's supporting, he's supporting uh, Palestinian causes, not necessarily Hamas. Remember the clip I played yesterday of um, Rashida Tlaib, uh, who was being asked, can you condemn the killing of innocent children? She had nothing to say. She had zero to say. And this is, uh, by the way, why uh, Dan Goldman yesterday, uh, you know, wouldn't um, throw Rashida Tlaib under the bus, still stood by her. Uh, this Goldman is, I think, he, is he the Levi Strauss heir out of New York? Very wealthy congressman and a big time lib. And you know, he starts talking about how you know, you can't you can't be supportive of Palestine without supporting Hamas. And Brett Baer calls him out on this as he should. What you just said seems like it's a pretty easy answer uh, about the difference between 
Palestinians and Hamas, and yet uh, some members in your caucus are, are choosing not to say that. Well, look, uh, everyone comes to Congress with their own lived experiences, and Rashida Tlaib is Palestinian-American. So she has family in uh, the Palestinian territories and has a particular view. Uh, but she, she is one person. She does not represent the Democratic Party. And what you are hearing from the leaders of the Democratic Party is that the Democratic Party stands firmly mm. behind Israel. I don't even... Mind you, I, I, you're not going to find a stronger supporter of Israel than me, but I, I, it's not even about supporting Israel. It's about not tolerating people who want me, you know, me dead. Now, I'm not an Israeli Jew. I'm, I'm a Western you know, conservative you know, guy. My worldview is wholly incompatible with, with, with Islam, okay, with radical Islam. It's incompatible. Oil and water. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I understand how these people, I would be the first one to get mowed down if I was, you know, visiting friends in one of these, at one of these uh, kibbutzes or, or at this rave or wherever it was. I'd be the first one dead or, or a second or third. These people want me dead. They want you dead. And it's not about Jews or, or Israelis. It's about West versus, versus fanaticism. And these fanatics are in our midst. And Rashida Tlaib will not condemn the fanatics because they are her supporters. And it is a it is a taint upon the entire Democratic Party. And Dan Goldman can say whatever he wants, but it but that's a fact. Now, in spite of how profoundly disgusted I am uh, by this, I'm I'm and, and by these people. Trust me, I am. I am so grateful for the First Amendment. I need to say that again. I am so grateful for the First Amendment. I don't believe for a minute that we ought to silence these people's hate speech. You know why? Because if there's somebody in my community who wants me dead, I just hear me out on this. I want to know who they are. I don't want them... I, I don't want them being fearful of getting prosecuted for or silenced for speaking their mind. By all means, I want them to speak their mind. I want them to announce loudly that they are uh, that 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 they're genocidal bigots. I want to hear it. I think Nazis have a right to march. I think these you know Hamas pigs have a right to march. I think um, I think all despicable people have a right to speak. Now, don't shut down the freeway because uh, you shut down the freeway. I'm gonna I'm, I might just drive you over you. Okay, that's not speech. That's obstruction. Um, but if you're if you're out there, you know, voicing your opinion and, and you're going on TikTok and you're you're going and, and holding a rally, like we've seen scenes out of France, for example, horrible things being said. We've seen scenes in New York, horrible things being said and done. These people are despicable. But we must, as conservatives, no matter how despicable we find what these Hamas sympathizers are doing, and I'm done calling them you know, Palestinian, Hamas sympathizers. If you're okay with what happened on Saturday, you're a Hamas sympathizer. And that's, that's it. Good for you. But I absolutely will stand for your right to speak.
And on the flip side of this, let me tell you, there is applicable law to expel people from the U.S. who are either naturalized citizens or not citizens and are here on a green card who are hostile to the government of the United States. And in my view, some of these people ought to be expelled. That's just fact. And Europe, by the way, Europe has brought in so many immigrants from Syria, so many immigrants from the Middle East. These people are not assimilating. They are uh, writ large, uh, basically a, 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 a force behind enemy lines, just like Kissinger said, right? Just exactly what he said. That these are these are people that are that are not that are not joining in with the rest of society. It was a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different cultural and religious concepts. That these pressure groups within our countries will will become a huge problem. Food for thought. All right, friends, we've got to run. It's been another great couple of hours together. The podcast, you can always find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. What's Right Show, Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. We'll be back tomorrow by popular demand, 1 to 3 p.m. Thank you for everything, folks. See you then. Bye.